This is ESPN Radio. The obvious uh, that Joe is the heart of the matter. We'll see how high that ends up going, but you know how much the Bengals value Burrow. Burrow's single-handedly flipped that franchise around, and, or played a key role, I should say. And so, you know, we'll see how high that number goes, but the question's going to be, can they keep the core together? Not the best day of training camp for the Cincinnati Bengals. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you here on ESPNU and on ESPN Radio. Joe Burrow. Harry, he was rolling to his right during drills. He pulled up short in what appeared to be a non-contact injury. He starts hobbling. He grabs his calf. He ends up sitting on the field waiting for the cart to arrive. He is carted off the field. We're hearing it's a calf strain. We don't know how severe the calf strain is. That makes a big difference here, Harry, because there's different grades of these things. But a calf strain, any injury to that guy in particular, it's never good news, even if he's ready to go by the start of the season. Yeah, now, no one in, in the Bengals organization are probably going to tell you this, but when they seen that yesterday, I don't care if it's Chase Higgins, the tight ends, the O-line, Zach Taylor, the owner, general manager, they were probably pooping bricks, literally, Amber, because – I can't help but think about a guy in Kevin Durant who hurt his calf, and then next thing you know, it leads to an Achilles injury. So those are the type of things that probably run through your mind when you're seeing your franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow, who's led this team to -to back-to-back AFC championship appearances, led this team two years ago to a Super Bowl appearance, right? You kind of get nervous about. But Joe Burrow, you know, reassured and assured uh, Zach Taylor that he was going to be okay. It was just a calf strain or whatnot. And you mentioned we don't know the level of that. But you get nervous around the organization when you see a guy of his caliber go down in the manner that he went down yesterday during practice. Yeah, I heard our injury expert, Stevania Bell, talking about how Calf strains could be a matter of days. It could be a matter of weeks. It could even hurt you for months, depending on the severity, of course, of the calf strain. I would expect when we're hearing strain, it's good news in terms of his availability. But what is maybe not such good news is what a calf strain overall could mean. And these little kind of tweaks, these smaller injuries in training camp, how they actually do matter towards the end of the season. Now, Nuno had sent me yesterday a Twitter thread from Dr. Jessica Flynn, who is a sports medicine doctor. And she said some interesting things on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. She's out here Xing, I guess, is what, <laughs> is, is what Elon wants me to call it now. Anyway, so Dr. Flynn, she said that NFL training camp lower extremity muscle strains have a huge cost. She ends up going on to discuss how closely the NFL monitors these lower extremity muscle strains because of their prevalence and because they cost players time, Harry, and time is money. Let's be real about that. So she's talking about what happened here to Joe Burrow and how those lower strains, these lower extremity strains have become so prevalent when you're talking about the ramp up in training camp where these guys haven't been necessarily practicing much over the last few months when they've been on their own, they come in all of a sudden they're out there, they're practicing. It's very easy to sort of tweak something, right? Yep. And get one of these little smaller strains that isn't going to cost you the regular season. But these things start adding up over time. She discussed how they had a ramp up system last year that they had implemented that seemed to help. But then also they had more lower extremity strains in the regular season. So it seemed to help the problem in the in the preseason, but then seemed to just sort of pass the buck to the regular season. Now we're seeing it back up again in the preseason. And she went on to say why this all matters is that the last four Super Bowl champs ranked 
number one, number two, number nine, and number 12 out of 32 teams for the lowest number of training camp lower extremity strains. Wow. So what seems like a boring calf strain, Dr. Flynn said, is pretty important after all. Well, I I will say this, um, and Amber, from my experience in playing, I I remember it's nothing you can do in the offseason to get you in camp shape, right? You're going to be in shape, but you can't mimic the level of physical exertion that you have to display time and time again when you're competing against someone on the defensive side. And if you're on the defensive side, the offensive side, and you're out there trying to make a play. It's to the point to where, you know, you want to grind and you want to make the play so much, you're not even thinking about it. And these guys are coming into training camp and they're hitting the ground running. And I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow has done a, a, a series of things to get ready for training camp. But you're rolling to the right in a scramble drill type uh, atmosphere in which we've seen him do in so, so many different times throughout regular season games and playoff games. And then the next thing you know, you, you, you get a, a calf string. But we see, you know, players have hamstrings. Uh, I remember when I was playing, I think my last year in Atlanta, things had got ramped up so much to the point to where, you know, I went to my receiver coach one day and I was like, Coach, you know, my Achilles is like, it's killing me. It's sore. So he took me out of, you know, seven on seven. He took me out of team drills, and I just did a, a little bit of other things. But, you know, for me to go to him and let him know that he he knew that, okay, I must be really hurting. But it was to the point to where I was so nervous because my Achilles started tightening up. And one of the things I did not ever want to have was an Achilles tear because um, an ACL is, 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 is bad, but an Achilles tear I think might be worse in my opinion. So what was interesting here is that Joe Burrow was already wearing a sleeve on that calf before it got injured. And his head coach, Zach Taylor, was asked about that. He said that Burrow opted to wear the sleeve on Thursday. He said, we will get more information on that as we go. So he didn't actually reveal why. But you had said earlier in the show, and if you missed anything here, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. You had said earlier in the show, Harry, as a dude who played in the NFL yourself for a decade, if you're wearing a sleeve, it Something's ain't for wrong. no reason. That's right. Something something had to be bothering Joe Burrow previously for him to be wearing that sleeve because you're just not wearing wearing a sleeve to be cool and for looks. Something had to be bothering him for him to be wearing that sleeve. And I'm wondering if they're trying to pinpoint everything uh, within that training room. And I know the, uh, Matt Summers is their head trainer, man. He's a great guy, does an unbelievable job. I was with him at the University of Louisville during my college days, and he was also one of those guys that was on the field when DeMar Hamlin had his situation last year in Cincinnati um, and, and helped his cause tremendously. So I, I believe in their training staff. They, they have the right guy uh, that's, that's the head over that department. They're going to make sure Joe Burrow and everything is okay with him before he steps out on that football field. So what's also interesting, though, is it's not just the calf strain that is the storyline around Joe Burrow. It is that contract. And how does this change things in terms of Joe Burrow negotiating that contract? Will he be now in a position where he ain't touching that field again until that contract extension is in place? Because he realizes, hey, you know, there's there's concerns here. Let me go ahead and lock it up as the highest paid player in NFL history, which is the extension that we assume is Coming. Lock It In is brought to you by Gorilla for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. So Harry, is Joe Burrow going to lock it in in terms of getting a contract here before he gets back on that field? You have to. And I, and I respect Joe Burrow going out here in training camp and trying to 
you know, be there for his teammates and set the tone for not just the offense but the entire team by him being out there. But now circumstances are different. And the reason why I understand that mindset of Joe Burrow um, starting training camp without the contract is you got to look at their season last year. They started two and three. Right. And they lost to, let me see, Pittsburgh, Dallas and Baltimore, two division opponents. 2023, their first two games are against division opponents, the Cleveland Browns and also the Baltimore Ravens. So you understand the mindset of why Joe Burrow wants to get out there. Plus, he had the appendix. He had covid. He was one offseason. He was coming off of ACL. So he just wanted to be out there with his team. But circumstances have changed, and I think the mindset of Joe Burrow moving forward now, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals organization and their front office, uh, I, I really hope they understand, or they, they have to understand his stance if he doesn't want to go back out there on the football field without a deal. We know what this organization is with Joe Burrow. We know what this organization isn't without Joe Burrow. So I think the proof is in the pudding, and he's put the work in and the time in and has had the success so so much success to he's the only one right now we can really say as a current football player that has had Patrick Mahomes on the brinks because his record is three and one versus uh, versus Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think the front office will move differently as well because they know how important Joe Burrow is. He is Harry Douglas. I am Amber Wilson. We are ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. So Joe Burrow decided to start this training camp. He decided not to hold out or hold in. Now, maybe it ends up being different after this calf strain. But here is Joe Burrow himself, the Bengals quarterback, on why he showed up to camp. I've wasted enough days last two years with, you know, injuries and appendicitis and COVID the year before that. You know, I don't, I don't want to get out of camp wishing that I had, you know, seven more days that I could have got better. And so I'm, that's the reason I'm here. I'm focused on getting a deal done. It's good for us, good for me, good for the team, good for everybody. I mean, the reality is, Harry, he says he's focused on getting a deal done. How much focus does he need? It's not his focus, right? It's his agent's focus. It's the team yep. around him. Like, isn't that why you have an agent in that scenario? Is so you yourself don't have to focus on anything other than doing your job? Well, I would say this, though, like, because we, we got to remember the agent works for the player. So, I mean, the agent has to run everything by that player. And, and I'm pretty sure they've had their conversations up until this point right now. But let's just say, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals come back with something and his, the agent tells Joe Burrow, and what if Joe Burrow isn't feeling it? So if he isn't feeling it, he has to let that agent know, hey, no, I, I don't want that. And then next thing you know, it gets brought back to the team and they try to figure, you know, a common ground. I don't think that'll be the case because right now Joe Burrow can pretty much ask for what he wants and uh, that organization will probably have to give it to him because, like I said, and it's nothing against Andy Dalton, but we've seen what this team was before Joe Burrow got there. We've seen what this team was when Joe Burrow tore his ACL. And – the success they, they have been able to have the last two years, and I would also throw in the chemistry between the wide receivers and that new revamped offensive line in which they brought multiple guys in the last two years. You want Joe Burrow a part of that. You want him out there and not worrying about a contract because of language, uh, a few dollars here and there when it comes to the contract. So I think Cincinnati is going to do everything in their power to make sure they sew up their quarterback for the next, uh, I'll say, 
10 to 15 years. Yeah, I would imagine he gets to ask for what he wants in terms of that overall contract. And I would imagine that ask is something north of Justin Herbert's $262.5 million. Like, that's where you start if you're Joe yep. Burrow. You know, you're a better quarterback. You've had more success, proven success, particularly in the post. Way more. It, particularly in the postseason. Not necessarily an individual in individual but who categories. gives a damn? We I mean, talk Justin about the, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. The goal is right. to be and, competitive and Joe and Burrow's been a lot closer to that yep. than Justin Herbert has. And so you walk into your front office and that's your starting point. And I would imagine that's the starting point. Also, I would imagine something within that realm is probably the finishing point. So say Burrow gets 265, fine. But then also it's how do you structure that? And that's really probably what the delay is, is how do you structure this? to also try to afford the Bengals whatever flexibility they can get. That salary cap goes up, you know, in a couple years. Can you backload it? T. Higgins. T. Higgins is coming up. Exactly. Joe Burrow wants to keep T. Higgins too. (laughs) Other than just Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow has to know that. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio and ESPNU with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas with Colorado heading to the Big 12. What is the future now of the Pac-12? Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is ESPN Radio. The University of Colorado leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. The move will happen after next season. We looked at it from a lot of lenses. Um, first and foremost, what we felt was best for our student-athletes. If you're Oregon and Washington, what is the benefit of expanding? When you expand, you have to spice the monetary pie up more. And of the remaining Pac-12 schools who could go to the Big 12, uh, Arizona would be the likely favorite to go next. Boy, things have changed. In Colorado, since Deion Sanders took over the helm there, including the conference, which is going to now be changing after the board unanimously approved that move to the Big 12. Let's bring in some help with this conversation. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN college football reporter, joining us. And Adam, thanks for your time. Where does the Pac-12 turn now that Colorado is exiting for the Big 12? Well, the main thing is trying to keep the rest of the membership together because uh, Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, has you know, made no secret of the fact that he wants to keep adding schools and would love to you know, have a, a true presence on the West Coast, whether it's Arizona or anyone else that might be interested in leaving the Pac-12. So you know, we've heard for months and months and months about this television deal being close. And obviously last week at Pac-12 Media Day, it was supposed to be close, and it still hasn't happened yet. And so getting the deal done, keeping the group together, and then certainly 
trying to add a school like San Diego State. I think ideally you keep the nine together, you add San Diego State, and you try to move forward at least for the time being as a as much of a united conference as you can be given the state of things. And Adam, how much of an impact did the hiring of Deion Sanders at Colorado have on the Big 12 wanting them to join their conference? Well, I think certainly you, Brett Yormark is a guy, their commissioner, who is – you know, he understands the value of being in the in the entertainment world, given his his previous role. And uh, you know, I think he, you know, he he's going to be thrilled to have a guy like Deion Sanders to showcase at media days and um, in certain games, and and just as part of the the rebranding of the Big Twelve. I would say this though, guys, I I don't think Colorado is making a decision like this based on a coach who a lot of people don't think is going to be there forever. Certainly not to the end of his career. You, you don't move conferences for a coach who might be there three years. Now, from a Dion's perspective, it makes a lot of sense. You know, he's not a guy who spent much time on the West Coast. I was joking with him when I met him uh, with him back in February. He had that great year with the 49ers. As a 49er fan, I thanked him for that and said how dumb it was that they didn't keep that team together. And then he had that brief time with the San Francisco Giants. Other than that, he's been a Southeast Southern guy. Florida and Texas. And so for him, this makes a lot more sense than staying in the Pac-12, but Colorado's got to look at it a little bit bigger than that. From the Big 12 perspective, it's terrific to add another name like Deion Sanders to the roster. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN College football reporter, joining Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPNU and ESPN Radio. So Adam, you are in Big Ten country. Are they done adding teams? Well, I asked Commissioner Tony Petiti about that, Amber, on, on Wednesday, and he really made it sound like they're not focused on expansion at this time. He said in his role as commissioner, he has to keep their presidents and chancellors updated on what's happening around the country, and certainly the Colorado move to the Big 12 is part of that. But he said, listen, that doesn't mean we have to do anything. They're very much focused on USC and UCLA, getting them into the conference, they don't feel like they need to rush into anything, even though they're certainly current members of the Pac-12, namely Washington and Oregon, that would jump at the chance to join the Big Ten. But I, I don't sense that the Big Ten feels like it has to act at this very moment. Now, given how realignment can change in a hurry, that, that, that can also change. But Tony was, was pretty definitive in saying this is not a front-burner item for the Big Ten. USC, UCLA, other things within the conference are, are more top of mind for him. Well, unless it's Notre Dame, right? Like, <laughs> when, when will we start hearing about their name about possibly joining the Big Ten again? Harry, you must have a, a camera on me because I'm literally hey. parked outside Notre Dame's football facility. Yeah. I'm going to go and watch Adam, I know a few things here and there, man. You know, I'm, I, yeah. I know Coach Freeman. Yeah. I know where you're at at all times. Adam, I got the dibs on you, baby. Oh, man, you've been, you've been talking to Coach Freeman. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, again, sitting here and, and having been around this place, guys, for a long time, they do not want to join a conference. They believe that if they can secure a, a solid uh, media deal, next media deal with NBC, uh, they can go forward as an independent. Notre Dame has left money on the table. They're okay with that. I'm sitting outside a beautiful facility that they have. They, they feel like they have enough to c- compete for national championships without being a member of, the Big Ten would make the most sense, let's be honest, given where they're located and, and their sort of educational philosophy. But I, I think Notre Dame is, is more than content being independent um, you know, going forward, although it's not going to stop uh, the ACC and Jim Phillips or Tony Petiti in the Big Ten or maybe even Greg Sankey in the SEC 
from gauging their interest in joining a conference. Yeah, they don't want to join a conference. I don't want to keep talking about whether they will join a conference, but I have a feeling that conversation isn't going away anytime soon like it never has. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN college football reporter, joining Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. Maybe this would change that equation. Adam, how close are we to having only four power conferences? Right. I mean, again, it it goes back to your first question, Amber, about the Pac-12 and whether George Klyovkov, who again, projects as a very confident, competent commissioner, but in terms of the action items, hasn't delivered so far. Can he keep this league together? He had opportunities when Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 to essentially decimate the Big 12 or at least damage the Big 12. Chose not to do it. We've been hearing now about this media rights deal for almost a year because USC and UCLA left the conference about a year ago. Hasn't been been done yet. And so, if, if, again, more teams jump, and certainly if a Washington or Oregon left the Pac-12, it would be very hard to see that conference surviving in a true power conference format. And I do think eventually there's not a whole lot the Pac-12 can do about it. If you know, There's so much more talk, honestly, of it being a power two and everyone else, that everyone's going to try to flock if they can to the Big Ten and the SEC, at least in, in football, and maybe they'll figure out something else for other sports. But the Pac-12 is under the gun right now. They have to try to keep this thing together as best they can, finalize this media rights deal, and then look to expand with the options that are out there, which are okay, but, 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 no, but no, no, no expansion addition is going to blow anyone away in the Pac-12. And we're talking to Adam Rittenberg, ESPN college football reporter, and last one I have for you. What was the, the reaction during Big Ten media days to Jim Harbaugh's um, impeding suspension? Right. So I asked Jim about that, and you know, he obviously wants to talk about it. He, he said there's nothing to hide, but he, at this point, because it's an ongoing uh, a negotiation with the NCAA, he's not going to say anything. But several players talked about it. Chris Jenkins, their defensive lineman, said it would hurt our hearts not to have Coach Harbaugh out there but we will play the way he'd want us to play. A couple, of people, a couple of the players talked about how he'd be there in spirit. Blake Corum, their star running back, said he's prepared us for this. So the thing about Michigan, guys, think about what they've gone through already. Harbaugh's talked to NFL teams each of the last two off-seasons. Their offensive, uh, co-offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, uh, you know, was, was uh, fired in January because of alleged uh, computer crimes, essentially, computer access crime within the football facility. They've had other distractions. And I've talked to J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum and these other players. They feel that they can handle distractions you know, better than most teams because they've been through a lot and they're a very veteran group. And let's face it, those first four games, not exactly murderer's row. Those are all games at home that Michigan should win easily, but it's yet another challenge for them. So certainly not ideal. The players said he hadn't talked about it with them, Harbaugh, but uh, they, they believe that they can play the way he would want them to play, even if he's not present uh, at Michigan Stadium. Adam, Adam have Adam a great Ritten- time at Notre Dame. Always remember, I got eyes on you, Adam. <laughs> I got eyes on you, my man. Man, man, I don't know where I'm, I got to be careful where I go next. <laughs> He's got you on fine friends, I think, Adam. You might want to check that on yourself on ESPN College Football Reporter Adam Rittenberg. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, guys. You always have to be careful. Harry Douglas, he's always out there watching. Coming up next, 
Do the Miami Dolphins have enough to sustain Jalen Ramsey being out for a long period of time after he suffered an injury in training camp? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up to Today, new users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. Dolphins quarterback Jalen Ramsey going to miss a few months. He's expected to undergo surgery on a meniscus tear in his left knee. The unit doesn't completely fall apart without Jalen Ramsey, but let's also not get it twisted. There's no replacing Jalen Ramsey. He's the best quarterback in the league, arguably. I love you, Nuno. I don't love the angry treats, you know, like, you don't know sports. (laughs) Because because I Ron burgundy it up today. I'm on the IR today, Harry. I'm, you know, oh, I'm not batting a thousand right now. I am a little under the weather today. Also, I'm under the weather because I'm sick. I'm also the under the weather because Jalen Ramsey and because the Dolphins cannot. My Dolphins cannot have nice things. Let's bring in some help with the conversation. Marcel Louis Jacques, ESPN NFL Nation Dolphins reporter, and Marcel, thanks for joining us. Let's just start with your reaction when Jalen Ramsey went down with that injury. Yeah, I agree with you. The Dolphins do not know peace. They, they, I've been here two years, and it's been kind of one thing after another. But uh, it, it was one of those things that it, it wasn't super dramatic. He and Tyree Kill kind of got tangled up uh, toward the end of practice yesterday. And Ramsey took an extra beat to get up, but he did get up under his own power. And he did kind of just try to shake it off and walk it off right after. It, there was no writhing in pain or yelling or anything like that. And he just kind of limped off the field. And it, at no point, at no point, it, it seemed like a dramatic injury. It didn't seem like it was anything major. But when he was carted to the locker room, everybody kind of started to whisper like, oh, maybe this was something. Maybe this was, maybe this is a big deal. Uh, so it, it's, it's a tough blow for Miami. Uh, obviously, this was their major acquisition this offseason, uh, the centerpiece of, of their new defense under Vic Fangio. And it's a tough, tough, tough break to happen, especially this early on in camp. But honestly, it might actually be a blessing that it happened this early in camp if it was going to happen at all because now guys like Cater Kohu, like Cam Smith, they get a chance to work with that first team and get even more reps in the system like well ahead of the regular season. And I think, you know, having receivers like Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and also Chosey Robinson now and Cedric Wilson Jr., having those guys go against those younger DBs, and I throw Cam Smith, I add him to it because that, that, that was their second-round draft pick this year, I think that's going to allow them and help them get up to speed quicker 
But I wanted to ask you, this defense that is led by Vic Vangio now, is it built to sustain without a guy like Jalen Ramsey? Uh, yes, yes, and no. So obviously, there's no replacing a guy like Jalen Ramsey. Uh, he, he is he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's one of the smartest defensive backs in the league, and he has so much experience in this system from his time in Los Angeles. The Dolphins were kind of relying on him to be sort of a coach on the field. So it, it, it's 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 not going to be a one to one replacement. That being said, you mentioned Cam Smith. This is why they drafted Cam Smith. They've had so many problems in the defensive backfield with injuries over the past two years. Chris Greer, general manager, wanted to make sure there were no depth issues in 2023. So they're prepared to play without Jalen Ramsey. It's not like they want to. It's not like it's going to be easy. But this is exactly why they went out and drafted Cam Smith in the first place. Marcel Louis-Jacques, he covers the Dolphins for NFL Nation. Joining us, Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here with you as well. You mentioned there the injuries in the defensive backfield over the last couple years. One of those injuries to Xavier Howard. I mean, not, Jalen Ramsey, not the only all-pro corner on this team. What does Xavier Howard look like coming into this camp and into this season, Marcel? He looked rejuvenated, uh, being able to play opposite of a guy like Jalen Ramsey. You could tell he was excited. These guys have known each other since they came into the same draft class uh, back in 2016. They're excited to play together. Howard's had a lot of soft tissue injuries over the past couple of years that he's had to play through groins, hamstrings, especially last year. If he wasn't able to go, this was a red alert, break the glass, hit the button, emergency at cornerback for the Dolphins. So he toughed through a lot last year, but he said he feels healthy. He's ready to go. He believes he is still a number one cornerback. Matter of fact, he kind of scoffed when the notion that he wasn't was brought up at a press conference the other day. He looks healthy, and that is important for the Dolphins. He's still been a pro bowler in each of the past three seasons. Even if, his own words, he didn't think he deserved it last year, that's still the recognition that he gets around the league. So this is, again, I, I said there's no replacing Jalen Ramsey, but they're prepared for it. One of the reasons is because they drafted Cam Smith. Another is because they still have a former All-Pro in Xavier Howard. So let's move to the offensive side of the ball. And I think one of the biggest questions coming into this season for this team, for the Miami Dolphins, is that, you know, is Tua going to be able to be healthy? How has uh, Tua actually look out there and practice so far with you watching them? He's been fine. Like you can tell, he's got a, a command of the offense. You can tell that this isn't a. This is something that he's comfortable with. It, it is the first time he's been in the same offensive scheme for a second year uh, since high school. Uh, so even dating back to Alabama, he had different offensive coordinators every season. And so you you can tell that there's a little bit more of a presence there. Uh, it, it it hasn't been him. It's been a slow start to camp for his receivers. Though, a lot of drop passes. Tyreek Hill dropped two yesterday, and you can tell he's frustrated with himself about it. Jalen Waddle, I believe, has had at least one drop uh, and, you know, a couple scattered throughout the guys behind them. So it's not necessarily been, been Tua. Receivers are looking to kind of bounce back as we get ready to go to camp in a couple hours here. You know, that's, that's going to be the focal point for them. But uh, through an interception yesterday, his only interception in camp so far – uh, you know, trying to fit into a tight window to Tyree Cater Cole, who read it and jumped the route. 
But the important thing to remember here is that the next play, Tua goes right back at Kohu, exact same route to Cedric Wilson this time, and nails that tight window for the completion. And, and that is so critical in camp because these situations are the ties here. As you know, this is when you try things out. Yep. You don't want to know, you don't want to find out that you can't get away with this pass in week two, in week three, in week four. Like, this is the time to, to test the waters, and this is the time to develop that short memory. So the fact that he was able to go right back at that same route and hit it not 30 seconds later, it, it's just kind of a testament to where Tua is mentally and how he's matured as a quarterback over these past few years. Marcel Louis-Jacques joining us. Marcel is a Dolphins fan. I hope I don't have to see him much this season. But tell me how Mike White is settling into this team. I'm so glad that you brought that up. (laughs) Mike White right now is QB3, and I don't think it's particularly close. Skylar Thompson has been outplaying him since the spring, and that is something that has continued into training camp. White has looked, I mean, stationary is the best word that I could put it in the pocket. Um, haven't seen him really move his feet. Uh, he looks a little jittery. His throws are off target. The, the arm strength really isn't there. It, it is so not the Mike White that I was expecting, considering like my only experience with him is when I see these 300, 400, whatever yard games as he filled in for Zach Wilson uh, up in New York. But Skylar Thompson, he looked like a guy in, the, in his second year in the system. He's comfortable. He's moving around. He's making things happen off script. He's not afraid to push the ball downfield. He, he almost had back-to-back long completions. He did underthrow Tyreek Hill uh, a, a little bit. Tyreek ended up dropping the pass, so I, I'd say the blame goes to both of them. But the next play, he hits Braxton Berrios for a 70-yard catch-and-run touchdown. Ball traveled probably about 40 yards downfield. He's just been impressive, and it's something that obviously they, they paid the money to, to get Mike White. He's one of the higher-paid backup quarterbacks in the NFL, but there's still got to be kind of like a twins of pride if you're Chris Greer to see the guy that you plucked out of Kansas State in the seventh round last year battling like this. And he's, Again, he's got the experience. He started a couple games last year, including a playoff game at Buffalo, and came within one possession. He was a, a – a, delay of game penalty away from really putting the Dolphins in position to take it to overtime or even win. So the guy has some talent. He just didn't have the experience last year. He's playing like he's playing like a vet so far in camp. Well, one thing I know about that offensive system, you can't be stationary. You got to be able to be a quarterback that's on the move. You can't be jittery in the pocket. But I want to talk to you about one more thing that's non-football related. As someone who also covered Messi in, uh, in his time in Florida, what's that experience been like, not just for you, but for everyone down there in South Florida? You know, it, I, I got to go to his first training session uh, last Tuesday, and it was only 15 minutes. And there are, mind you, 200 media members. 200 media members. I have never seen more than like 30 at an NFL practice. So 200 was jarring. But I know as we walked off the field, I turned to my producer and I said, dude, this is like we just watched Pele play. We just watched, like we watched Maradona at practice. Like we, this is, this is Lionel Messi. He is the GOAT. He is somebody who, even if you don't like soccer, you know Lionel Messi's name. And the excitement down here, man, is it's palpable. 
it's palpable. 500 media credentials were issued for his unveil. I can't even get a credential. At, at ESPN, <laughs> I had to get a ticket for the last game in order to cover this. That is how tight that box is. That's how tight these things are. But honestly, I was I preferred watching it in the stands, man, because these fans, every time he touched the ball, it was messy, messy, <laughs> messy chance stomping on the bleachers. I, I actually sat next to a family from Argentina, and they told me that the songs that the, the super fan base, the La Familia, were singing were directly from Argentina. Like, that's stuff that Argentina, or the, they sing during the Argentina national team game. So, like, he, is, he has been everything from, like, an off-the-pitch and emotional standpoint here. And then, of course, on the pitch, he's responsible for four goals in two games. Like, he put up a first-half brace on uh, on Tuesday, like, it was nothing. Like, it was no big deal. I, I joked around before he got here that, you know, after covering a couple MLS games, Messi might score or be responsible for two goals a game. I, I didn't even take myself seriously, but this is Leo Messi we're talking about. It is certainly messy that we're talking about from football to football. He can do it all. Marcel Louis Jacques, ESPN NFL Nation Dolphins reporter. Thanks, Marcel. Yeah, thanks for having me. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio and on ESPNU, Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. We found a long lost tape of Harry Douglas working out. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. You can find him on social media at hdouglas83. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also watch us on ESPNU where I am told we have some video, Harry. Uh-oh. We have some video to play of you. Back in the Dizay. Can I, can I, can I ask a Working question Working out. First? Oh, here it is. Hold on. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no. no There's no questions. No, I need to ask the a question already... first because Nuno is holding a football and tossing it to himself. And I'm trying to figure out, like, Nuno, what the hell are you about to go do? Play some flag football? Why do you have a football and you're tossing it left hand to right hand continuously? I think, I think you are trying to distract from the video that is actually on our screens well, right now. I can't, even see the, I can't even see the video. Like, I, do, I can't see it. All I see is you, Nuno, and myself. <laughs> All right, Harry. So 
The first video is of you running the 40. How'd you do that uh, when you ran the 40 at the combine? So I ran it twice. I had a 449 uh, the first time, and then I wore a 451 the second time. Can I just say that you're like, your form here at the at the starting line mm-hmm. is like professional sprinter form. Like, how many videos of Usain Bolt or whomever did you watch before you ran that 40? Because you went <laughs> full professional sprinter mode. And I had a good start. 10 time. I, I had a really good 10 time, too. See, I'm a, I'm a short distance runner. Anything past 25 or 30, oh, I'm dying down. I'm dying down. And then, so now, now we're watching video of you squatting. How much is he squatting here, Nuno? Which, How many plates is that? What do I have on, like, and I'm squatting? Like, is it five plates on each side? Is it five oh, on each side? So that, five that 45s like, on each no, side? No, that was like uh, 495, I believe. So you're going all the way down to the bench, yep. popping back up. You didn't. You didn't bounce off the bench. I'm proud of you. No, no. It was a static hold at the bottom. <laughs> Look at that form HD. I'm proud of you. This is impressive. Those, I, skinny, I tell those people, skinny legs. Yeah, got exactly, Amber. That's what I was getting to next. Because see, you don't see a horse at the Kentucky Derby with big and fat legs. You see those thoroughbreds with little skinny legs, and they packed a good punch. That's what. The, that's what they are. See, so hey, I, yo. I tell people all the time. Don't let these little these little noodle legs fool you. There's some strength behind these legs. Real strength. Harry, are you in better shape now than you were when you were playing? Um, I, I wouldn't say that because I actually took a year off from from working out. I, like the last three months, I, I have been back training, and you know that can't be real, right? You've been telling me that for such a long period of time that you oh. and I have been working no, I took together. A year off. That you're like, I just haven't worked out. Like, no. I remember you telling me, like, I haven't worked out in six months. I've been too busy with ESPN. No. I, I, what? I literally took a year what? off. And How I, did you not lose? Any, like, that doesn't make any well, sense. Well, I mean, you know, it's genetics, you know. You, it's just genetics? You, you know, just some roll out of bed and you've got, like, you, you look all muscular and cut up? That, yeah, you, know how many, you know how many of my friends that, that say to me, like, I, I can't believe you haven't worked out in you eat basically what you want to eat. You don't gain weight, and you're still able to look like you look. That's, well, that's just true. me. That's just genes. Genetics. That's true with you. That is true with you. I have seen you eat, and <laughs> I have seen how you look. And but I have been fasting. certainly have something to do with it, I would imagine. I have been fasting. Um, I'm back on my fast. I did it for two months, and then I took two weeks off. Now I'm back on my fast where, you know, no beef, no pork, nothing but water, Gatorade, and cranberry juice. So I'm on water, that fast. Water, Gatorade, and cranberry juice. That's it. What? Well, I was averaging, per radio show, I was averaging about seven to eight Sprites, y'all. So Okay, that's bad. You know, that's why I'm doing it. but are you eating food? Like, those are the only liquids you're allowed to consume? Or do you mean that that's all you're consuming? No, that's all all I'm drinking. That's all you're drinking? Yeah. Okay. All right, so you're not fasting in terms of actual food? Well, I'm not eating beef or pork. Okay. Okay. So and, you are and, eating and, other but things. But then, Amber, regular. I, I was. Think, I was. Amber. Eating, I think you need to. Strange. Ex- I think you need to explain to him about the fasting part. Right. Yeah. The, like, well, no, 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 no. Suggest fa- you're not eating. No, 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 no. That's fa- what fasting fa- means. Well, I mean, it could be whatever you want it to be, as long as it's, it's good for you. No, you're just a pescatarian, is what you're describing. No, I eat chicken and I eat. That's. Pe- I think that's pescatarian. Oh, right? I, or no, I, it's pescatarian. Just I don't know all the names. It's too many names for me. Vegetarian. Pescatarian just eats seafood. Is that just seafood? Pescatarian. But fasting is the exercise, I would say, of not actually eating something. You just drink liquid. So, well, but th- there's different versions of fasting, Nuno. There's different versions of fasting. I don't think there is. I think Nuno's right on this one. I, I think fasting is not eating, period. But what's interesting well, I about can, I can do about what I want to do. It's my life, Nuno. 
But why cranberry <laughs> juice and Gatorade? Why are uh, those the things you're allowed to have? Well, I will say this. First of all, I wasn't a big water drinker, period. So I hardly ever drank water. So now I'm forced to drink water, cranberry juice, because it helps cleans out your system. And then Gatorade, because I've been drinking Gatorade for the longest, because I play sports. So I don't understand people who don't drink water. But again, genetics. It's nasty. Right? It doesn't have a taste to it. It's so terrible. Good. It's so thirst quenching. You can put stuff in it if you want. Pour some electrolytes in it. Put a little <laughs> lemon in it. You can juice up your water. There's all sorts of. So ways I got a question. So what do you call it if, like, I don't want to eat something and I just, you know, like, what, if you don't call it fasting, what do you call it? You're just decision. You're not eating. You're I'm just. just dieting. De- I'm just uh, decisions. Cut it out of your. I'm diet. just making decisions. Yes, that's just decisioning. <laughs> no, that's not a word. You know what I mean? It's just cut out of your diet. It's just not part of what you eat. I'm fasting. You're not fasting, man. Yeah. That means you're not sta- eating to, at all. To my standards, I am. You're not, I'm, not, okay. I'm not getting right. technical Harry with Douglas the Douglas has his own standards. <laughs> Delvin Cook, he also has some standards. Are those going to include the New York Jets? We'll get into that next. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas with you. This is ESPN Radio.